What's up, beautiful people? I have the one and only Miss Sierra C. Johnson. Miss Johnson to all of her fourth grade students <laughs> at Bonnie Bray. Bray Elementary in Fairfax County. Yes. What's up? How are you today? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> That's good. It's a Sunday. No, no, Ivan the Great. Yes. No He's, hubby. Yep. You got some alone time to just mm-hmm. come sneak over here and have a little bit of less talk about a time. Yes. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who don't know, Sierra is a boss lady, fitness mom, hairstylist, educator, photographer, and founder of Style Your Crown. You are like to call a super, super mom. <laughs> just so you know that. So how does it feel having wearing all those different hats? Um, well, I don't really like to look, think of it about as wearing a lot of different hats i try to think of it more as me following all of my passions because i would hate to look back years from now and feel like i didn't do this or i didn't do that so anything that i feel passionate about i go after it mm-hmm. um make sure i have goals in place and go after them mm-hmm. um which is like bringing lights to the lives of others which is my slogan for my brand um helping the youth to achieve their own endeavors whether that be athletically academically and being able to tie the two together mm-hmm. and making them understand that they can be and do whatever they want to be in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot that I can do in my classroom that makes me feel like I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing, what I need to be doing, what God set out for me to do. I feel that. I feel that. So being that you're teaching in Fairfax County, the demographic is a little bit different there. Mm-hmm. So what are some challenges being that you are teaching in a predominantly white area mm-hmm. and you are a obviously african-american woman what is that like Mm -hmm. it is very interesting um i don't really have anything to compare it to because my first year teaching was there and i'm going into my second but it is definitely interesting to see me being one of maybe three other teachers of color in my school so you don't even have there's not even a lot of black teachers nope nope oh wow the principal is black okay so that is beautiful and she's not yeah. Well, she is. She. This is her sec. This is her third year okay. being principal. Right. So. Yeah, break. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you know the pool is not, not as far. yeah the pool is not there's not a lot to choose from in that <clears throat> in that mm-hmm. area, but um yeah the the principal's black and then we have three I believe it's three other teachers of color. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. we have some. Well, let me say three other black teachers and then we have some Asian mm-hmm. teachers and we have. Most of them are white, though. That's just what it comes down to. More than half. And the students, I'm assuming, are too. And the students are the same way. My my class last year, I had one black girl, two black boys. Wow. So what what is it like teaching things like Black History Month Mm -hmm. and just the regular ongoing issues with the African-American community Mm -hmm. with a class like that? Yeah. So last year, during Black History Month, on February 1st, you know, I said, you know, what's significant about this month? They said everything under the sun, but it's Black History Month. Wow. And the one person that it finally dawned on them was actually a white student. Wow. <clears throat> one of my black students, <clears throat> excuse me, was born and raised in the area, and she had never heard of Black History Month. But she was raised by black people. She's also um, Ethiopian, though, and a lot of her, she's like one of the first generations here. Right. I don't know if that plays a factor, but... They had no idea, so. But I, that gives uh, that school system that gives me a little bit of a mm, feeling towards that school system because it's like I'm trying to think. I mean, granted, Webb is in fourth grade, it may be a good ten, twelve years ago, but mm-hmm. I feel like it, the idea of Black History Month was introduced before fourth grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for kids to be saying like, "Oh, I don't even like," 
What yeah. exactly is it in you guys' curriculum? It is, it is interesting. The curriculum for social studies definitely is not surrounded around anything black. It's talking about slavery. And I can't speak on how other teachers are teaching it, but for me, when I'm teaching it, I'm making sure that they realize that when we talk about slavery, that is not the height of the black excellence. That is not the height of black excellence. But if you're only being taught about slavery, you that's all you see. Whenever you hear about black people and all it is about is about slavery, right. you don't know. I mean, there's nothing else. You assume that that's it because that's what your teacher said. Right. You know, so... Black History Month, I made sure it was my business to teach them about a different African-American figure every day. Did you feel like the kids were embracing that? Oh, absolutely. Um, They really, it it was interesting seeing the children of color and the children that were not of color, just being able to be more open to conversations that would typically make a fourth grader feel uncomfortable or anybody feel uncomfortable because I was very gentle with introducing the topics, making sure that everybody understands that this is history, but just because it's history doesn't mean that you have to feel like it can't be discussed. Um, it's just, I had to be very particular about how I approached it and making everybody feel comfortable. I couldn't just make the children of color feel comfortable. I couldn't just make the white kids feel comfortable. And that would mean not teaching about black history. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I noticed you do a lot of different activities with your um, students, and one of them that I found to be very interesting was the yarn activity, mm-hmm. only because I'm an adult, and the last time I did that, I was not a fourth grade age. I was older than <laughs> that, so to do that activity with them at such a young age, mm-hmm. and knowing the benefits of what it was for me as an adult, right? What 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 was that experience like with doing it with a whole bunch of fourth graders, and yeah. then mixed with that type of background? And right, stuff. right. It was very powerful. Um, it was very interesting to see how their fight faces would light up when they would recognize that there were other people in the room that liked things that they like. We started it off very simple, and they would say simple things like, I like fruit, I like boxing, I like snowboarding, you know. Very simple things, that way they can just kind of get their feet wet. Right, and get then, the concept of the game. Stuff. Right, right. And then I would kind of, you know, break the ice and say something like, I dislike long division or something that they can relate to but like "Mm, i dislike that too what else do i dislike (laughs) just so that they could see that it's okay to not like these things and it's okay to feel how you feel about what you feel about right but just know that if you dislike these things it doesn't make you weird or it doesn't make you not smart because you don't like long division or it doesn't make you any less just because you don't like these things or because you like these things. And then when in the end you see the huge web and you look around the room and see, I have a lot of connections with a lot of people in this room. And it's great to do it early in the year because that starts to create a community. Right. It starts to realize early, we are a family. We can be a fa- excuse me, we can be a family whether we recognize it or not. Right. And then something big about that game too is that you're throwing around yarn. So you got some kids who are athletes and they throw it and they catch it and it's cool. And you have some kids Butterfingers and they drop it. And I encourage them when somebody drops it, help them pick it up. Don't ah, laugh at each other. It doesn't matter if they drop it as long as we keep the game going. So mentioning that early, it completely deads the idea of people laughing at each other because they don't have the ability, the physical abilities that others have. Right. And that quickly creates a warm environment of, you know, acceptance. Yeah. And, and that is why it's important. I feel like it's imperative that I create a strong classroom community because if you have a strong classroom community in fourth grade where you're accepting everybody for who they are and where they come from and their differences and similarities, you have a, a less chance of a child being bullied. You have yeah. less chance of this child feeling like they're better than you because they have X, Y, and Z. 
because you'll realize through having those type of activities like the yarn activity that we are all the same. Right, right. And, and there's no need to right. dislike somebody for this, for mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the negative connotation about this gener- this generation that's coming being like lazy and technology driven? What do mm-hmm. you think about that? Well, I think that the technology is... I don't think I think that if you go about it as a parent in a proper way, because me and my mom just had this conversation, these kids, this generation coming up is big on technology. So if your child loves the computer, introduce them to coding, introduce them to how to make a game, not play a game. Right. Show them how they can take that and and be powerful with it, not just sit in front of the game for four hours. 14 hours Mm -hmm. playing a game and just being sucked into that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think it's, you know, if that's something that you like to do in your spare time, that's fine. But know when it's time to put it to, put it, put it, uh, excuse me, put it to the side. And when it's time to focus on things that will get you somewhere. Right. You playing the game is not going to get you anywhere. Right. Right. People try to, and I hate too how they try to like make it like it's a young thing. Mm -hmm. Legit. The other day when I was at work, Literally, I was catching the bus. It was like a row of maybe about like eight adults. Mm-hmm. All on all their phone. All on their phone. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like in they phone. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is no longer a millennial thing, yeah, next just, generation thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just the way of the world. Right. Now. Because you, you could work from your phone all day if you want to. Right. Like, it's, you know, people automatically assume that we see somebody in their phone that they're just like on social media or they're texting. You could be writing an email. You could be working on something like very important towards your work. There's a lot of things you can be doing on your phone. But at the end of the day, whether it's work or not, I think that everybody has a hard time putting aside things that are focused on work and, and self and not putting into their family and others. Right. So like for example, we like my I know like my mom and dad growing up, their phones always stayed on a charger downstairs in the kitchen. They never brought their phones upstairs. Granted back then they probably had a flip phone at some point, so yeah. it wasn't as immense, but that was the example that I saw. So with my husband, we try to keep our phones out of, out of when, when it's our time, we try to keep our phones down, you know? I mean, of course, there's times where we may be in it, but majority of the time, we try to keep that in the forefront of our minds when we're together. Like, the phone can wait, right. you know? The phone can wait. This right. time, time, we ain't going to get this back. And some other things you can spend time doing is, like, working out. Mm-hmm. Like, what you do. You see, this is, <laughs> she's another... She's another part of her. She's a fitness guru. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I like to call you. Mm-hmm. How important is that in your life that you work out right. and that you, you know, embody mm-hmm. that? Especially since you gave birth. Like, yes. was this something that was always with you? Because I know you had did track in mm-hmm. high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or did it just come about after right. you had your child? Where did that start? Um, so I've been running track since I was eight. So fitness has always been a part of my life. And then when I turned 13, I started triple jumping. Because you can't triple jump until you turn 13 because it's just so hard on the body. And then I knew at that point that that was my thing. Mm-hmm. I made it to Junior Olympics my very first year triple okay. jumping. And I was like, okay, this is my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of events and I've been good at a lot of them. But I am great at triple jump. And I, I knew that. So I, you know, my dad really invested in that fact. And that was what took me through college. Triple jump and hurdles. Got my scholarship. I really wish I could excel at hurdles. <laughs> I really do. I'm sorry. You just took me there for a second. Like, I just really... I did them in in high school, but I was not that great. It is tough, though, because of the two, triple jump is definitely my number one. Hurdle... Most most jumpers end up hurdling, because they kind of go hand in hand in Mm -hmm. a sense. But um, hurdling was definitely... It was a mind over matter thing, though, because I first... I tried hurdles for the first time. I was, like, maybe 11 for my my USATF team back in the day. CCTC. Um, (laughs) And I bust my knee wide open. I still had the scar. 
from that. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing hurdles. Like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, no. So then when I went to high school, my hurdle coach, Coach Moore, love him to death, he got me back into it. And he was like, you can be good at this. And I was like, okay. So I started doing it again and I made it to States. But right. now you are, you're actually, you're training. Yes. And I'm still training currently though, triple jump. Okay. I'm still triple jump train. Um, my coach is Tion Behurd, who has the um, uh, American record for the Olympics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you no longer are coaching? No longer coaching. I only coached when I first had my son because that was just my way of still staying within the sport because I couldn't do but so much because I had a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't do it because it was just too out of the way. Was that as rewarding as being in the classroom as far as the students? I'm pretty sure you connected with them yeah, too. Yeah, I and... did. I did. But nothing beats the classroom because okay. I can reach them in so many different angles. Like it's, You can it's take amazing. what you had on the field right. in the classroom. Right, right, right. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. That's really up. So how important would you say that being fit is when it comes to self-care? And the reason why I ask that is because I feel like sometimes the fitness aspect of self-care gets overlooked because so many people think about like, oh, you know, being mentally and being aware of self. But it's like, you know, a part of that is being fit, healthy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How important mm-hmm. would you say that that is with that? It's a huge, huge portion of it. If I'm not on it, like with my consistency with working out and stuff, I feel off balance. Um I pick my son up after work. We go to the gym. I can drop him off at the kids' club, and I can get my workout in. They close at around like eight. I pick him up, and then we can go home and you know wind down and get ready for bed. But I that's my routine every day. So on a day when I don't have to pick up my son for whatever reason, may may it be that I stayed at work late because I had something to do, and my husband picks up, or my grandfather picks up because I whatever it may be. Nine times out of ten, I don't go to the gym that day mm-hmm. because I didn't pick Ivan up. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why I'm trying to get out of that, but most of the time I pick him up anyway, so it doesn't matter. But he is a huge motivation piece for me because I know that he sees that. He knows I try to keep him on a consistent pattern. Like, you know, we leave school, we go to the gym, you play, mine works out, we go home, we eat dinner, we go to bed, you know? So. Even days I don't go to the gym, I go to the track, I take him with me and I he does the workouts with me and I just make him a part of everything, and so I explain things a to Olympian him. Olympian over there. Y'all got to be Ivan is really about to be on, <laughs> you know, the next Olympian team. What? How old do you have to be to, to compete? For his age? Oh no, he can start. He can start super early. Because eight and under is the, the youngest age for Junior Olympics. Sheesh. Saying that <laughs> but my, I don't really hope that he runs track. Why? I just want him to be That's an cute. athlete. Okay, okay. Like if I just, I'm gonna. My parents did the same thing with me. They exposed me to like every Everything. sport, right. and then I made my decision that my love was track. Right. Like my first love was dance. I danced for like eight years. Though I love dance, I, I really did. It was my first love, but it wasn't my true love. My true love was track. I just like the feeling like nothing makes me feel more powerful and in control of myself like I do when I'm on the track in the gym like working on me I'm really working on me in that moment and, and that probably does a lot to your confidence too mm-hmm. to add to the self-care and yep. I know you had mentioned off the record I mean off there about being um aware of yourself mm-hmm. and I'm pretty yes. sure that training for you know mm-hmm. triple jumping mm-hmm. and just being fit in general helps, helps absolutely that. yeah that's that's a huge portion of why I have such a strong sense of self why I'm confident why I believe in myself because being an athlete in general, I've gone through so many trials and tribulations, wins, losses, almost wins, barely losses, Mm -hmm. you know, and that takes a toll on you mentally, not in a bad way, but it just kind of prepares you for life. Like you're going to win things, you're going to lose things. It's how you handle it and move forward so that you can continue to work at whatever you're trying to achieve because you have an end goal at the end of the day, whether it be 
um, just to be fit or to, you know, make a states or whatever it may be, you have an end goal. And if you harp on the loss, you will never have another win. Right. So that's just something that has always been like. See, sports are awesome. It's things mm-hmm. like that that you just, I feel like you don't learn. Mm-hmm. But a, don't only a good coach can help you to relate that to life, though. Because I had some great coaches in my career, and they were amazing. Like, they always related things back to what it really was. And not really, yes, you're playing this sport, but this comes down to your mental, what you're, how you're taking this mentally. Right, yeah. right, right. Awesome. And so let's talk about your hair. How does that work with mm. you working out? I know you're a naturalist. Yes, that's yes. That's perfect term for it. And you have <laughs> your business style, your crown, and mm-hmm. you do the Marley twist and all that stuff. So how mm-hmm. does that work? Um, that's um, Have you always been natural? Did you make that transition? or? Um, so I was not. My mom would not let me get a perm. She would not let me get a perm. I wanted one so bad for so long. Then my 10th grade, my freshman year of high school, I was like, Mom, I to go to high school. I want my hair to be straight. And she was like, go ahead, get your little perm. She let me get a perm finally. And it was fine at first. Then my 16th birthday, I got highlights. And my hair was oh. falling out. Like, I was running my fingers through and hair was just coming out. Between the perm and the blonde highlights, it was a mess. So I was like, I'm just going to transition back. So I never did the big chop, but I just let the hair grow out. So that took about, I would say by my, like, my sophomore year of college, I was completely natural. And not until that point could I really start to do what I wanted to do with my hair because I was battling with permed ends and natural roots. Mm -hmm. So amongst that transition, nobody was natural. There were no natural leases on YouTube. There were no natural blogs. It was a struggle. Like, I didn't know really what to do. All I did was just do perm rods so I could combine the hair that was natural and the hair that was perm. And I found... give you that too. Like, honestly, before I really knew that natural was like being like, cool quote yeah. unquote you were definitely promoting like yes hey friend hey was like that's why i love her so much because she was the only one out here that was like promoting natural ways to be natural mm-hmm. not using like suave mm-hmm. and pantene like mm-hmm. showing that these are these products and you can have natural hair with that so i had to really like do a lot of research and educate myself on all hair types so i could figure out what my hair type was and how i could manage my natural hair and that's the and, I'm, so i'm assuming that's the foundation for style yourself. yes yeah so once i learned all of that i was like i gotta share this with other people like i have so much knowledge about natural hair at this point like at this point i really could honestly i could you have a question i can answer it. it don't matter what your hair type is like i know so much now because it's been what like i don't even know too long yeah. that i've been on this journey yeah and that was when i burst star your crown but i was starting it first as a stylist so i would be styling you consulting you I was still in school and I was fine. But then I got pregnant and right before I got pregnant, while I was pregnant, I got a, um, a position at a hair salon in Towson called Divas and I was their natural stylist. And that was cool. But then I realized quickly that the stylist piece is not really for me. Mm-hmm. The edu- I'm an educator and that's, I mean, I'm a teacher, so it makes sense. But I want to help you to do your own hair. I don't want to stand here on my feet and do your hair. <laughs> I mean, I can show you a style or two to get you going, but... I don't really want to do that. I want to show you how you can take control of your own hair. Style how you, how you can style your hair. Yes. So okay. that's when I started doing the workshops. So now every summer I have where people, I do try to do it in different cities each time where people can come and I just do live tutorials and I share just a lot of knowledge, all the knowledge that I have about hair care. And then I started incorporating self-care too, because, you know, with age, I realized the immensity of that and how really if your self-care is on point, 
your hair care is going to be on point because those kind of go hand in hand. Mm, right. It's all up here. Right. You know, these, the, your strands are coming out of your head. So if you're not in a good mental space, you're not even going to be in a space where you want to do your hair. You right. know, like it's not even going to, it's a lot that goes along with maintaining natural hair. So if you're not really there mentally, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things go hand in hand. So that's what I do with the workshops. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm here for that. And if I was natural, I would totally support it. But I, I really like what I like about natural, even though I'm not a natural person, is mm-hmm. I just like the tone that it sets, mm-hmm. especially amongst black women. I just feel like it has so many women being confident in just who we are naturally. Right. Mm-hmm. Like beyond just your hair, just mm-hmm. like embracing the beauties of being a black right. woman. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like that wouldn't have been as popping as it is if it wasn't for all these people taking so much pride in just being natural yes like especially you know as mean? like a businesswoman and feeling like i know so many people like my mom just went natural and she's i ain't give her age she'd probably be mad she in her 40s okay. she just went natural and for years she wouldn't want to go natural because she felt like it wasn't really professional she didn't feel like her having like like when i would do things with my hair it took a while for her to kind of see it as you know be i don't want to say not professional because she was the one who told me not to get a perm but I was also a child, you know, as I got older and, you know, started to be more confident with my hair, she would never tell me no. But when it came to the conversation about her hair, she'd be like, nah, mm -mm, child, mm -mm, I need my edges to be laid, you know, but now she's confident about it. And I think that's just, you know, with the, how society has pushed how beautiful it can be to wear your natural hair. Like she has beautiful natural hair. A generational thing. Cause my Mm -hmm. mother is the same. My mom is late forties and my mom, has all her life has worked for the government, but has that same exact attitude. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't wear braids to work. I can't. I'm like, mom, if you don't go ahead, right? Just like, come on now. <laughs> but legit, the same exact way. And mm-hmm. I, she makes me because it's like, you got good hair. Like, I know that term is not fair, but right, right. it's like you can do what you do with your. You don't even need right, a perm. Right, right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, before you leave, gotta play a little game with you because you are educator first, as you had said. Mm-hmm. Um, you give your students quizzes. Mm-hmm. So I have a pop culture quiz for you. Okay. A few questions, a few questions. And I need you to fill in the blank, answer them, and, you know, just we can just see how hip Miss Johnson is. <laughs> okay? Fill in the blank. Blank forever. Blank forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that you were a big Black Panther fan. Oh, yes, girl. That's I'm a big is. Marvel fan. So when they came out with Black Panther, I was like, oh, y'all know the way to my heart. <laughs> yes. yes. Second question. What Toronto native and Philly native recently squashed their beef by reuniting on stage? Meek and Drake. Wasn't that a beautiful moment? I guess. I'm not really a fan of either, but that's cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, at least I'm you not, know. At least yes, you know. At least I know. You know. I know. <laughs> the third one: Who is currently causing more damage to the South? Hurricane Chris or Hurricane Florence? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Florence okay. for three hundred, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to make sure you was him. <laughs> Which scripture is God is within her; she will not fail. God will help her at the break of her day. Psalms 46.5. Favorite verse. Yes. Girl. Yes. Mm, does something to my soul every time yes. I hear it. And last but not least, I'm pretty sure you can appreciate this one because you are an athlete. Which athlete was recently quoted saying, I don't cheat to win, I'd rather lose? Serena. And that's like one of my biggest inspirations because she's a mom and an athlete. And, and she does it so well. And it is not e-boy. Yes. Well, I appreciate you a thousand times for coming down and sharing some gems with me about, you know, being an educator, an mm-hmm. athlete. Um mm-hmm. 
naturalist and then some you are appreciated i'm pretty sure your platform is going to grow 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 so you have to claim something you have to speak something either over your businesses your life whatever but before mm-hmm. you leave let's talk about it you gotta proclaim something um over yourself over myself uh just to always stay above water always no matter what the circumstances may be because you know, clearly i do a lot and it's easy to sink but just to always stay above water and the only way i can do that is if i keep god first and that's what's gonna keep my marriage strong yes. my mother my abilities as a mother my abilities as a teacher my abilities as an entrepreneur and to continue to be fit so yeah hey You've heard it first. Miss Johnson. I love it. Miss Johnson Johnson. No, just that. But thank you. As always, everybody. People love you. God love you. Well, you guys be good and great. We are out. Classic success. Do you say that? <laughs>